Good morning, everyone. I'll put that there, and chances are I'll probably kick it over, so that will give you all a good laugh. And I'll just carry rabbiting on while Robert works his magic. Oh, not magic, we don't believe in that sort of thing. <laughs> he applies appropriate equalization cuts and boosts. So, I've got the pleasure of trying to cover a significant portion of Hebrews. I'm going to back away. It's not because you smell. I'm just going to get behind the speakers a little bit. There we go. So today we're going to look at quite a, a large section of Hebrews, but what I'm going to do, rather than talk through every verse in great detail, we're just going to sort of ramble through the passage, and I'll point out some of the highlights in the scenery as we go past. So the title for today is By Faith. And before we jump into the passage, I thought it might be nice just to look at what faith is from a slightly different perspective. For those listening on the podcast, there's a a picture showing one frog wisely expounding to another. Um, Flies are the substance of things hopped for, the tasty evidence of things not green. So I thought that was a helpful way to start, just to set the scene for where we're going. Let's move on. If you've got a Bible or a personal device of some sort, I'd encourage you to follow along. I'm using the ESV, uh, but I think it's always helpful to have a different version to follow in, just to try and help your understanding. Unless, of course, you speak Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, and you like to use them all in the service. Four, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment, do you think, will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when you were enlightened, sorry, when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So that's a nice gentle way to start, isn't it? Jumping straight into deliberate sin. What a way to break the ice. So I think it's helpful, first of all, to note that the author whether that's a man or a woman and whoever your pet theory of who it might be, it doesn't really matter, they include themselves as needing to heed the warning. They say, if we go on sinning deliberately, we all struggle. But if we continue to deliberately go our own way, 
over and over, pretending on the outside while continuing to sin on the inside. God sees and judges. Having said that, I'm glad of the context. Just before the passage we read in verses 24 and 25, there's an exhortation that's quite well known to continue meeting together, stirring each other up to love and good deeds. Certainly for me, if I don't meet with other Christians, I get lazy. I'm much more likely to fall into old patterns of thinking and acting. So how do we avoid sin? Well, the manufacturer's recommendation is actually to meet with weird and wonderful people like us. That's how we do it. Uh, It's something that Toby and Carol have modeled quite well, is being honest. Not putting on a Sunday face and a Sunday voice, but instead being honest and open, even if that means you're vulnerable. Um, If you didn't hear Carol's talk last week, I would commend it to you. I thought it was very helpful. Um, If you did hear it, I suggest you go and listen to it again, because it was very good. Um, And it also touched on that subject. So looking at verse 39, I like um, J.B. Phillips' rendering of this. Surely we are not going to be men and women who cower back and are lost, but men and women who maintain their faith for the salvation of their souls. The author's not pointing a wagging finger here. What they're doing is reminding us how crazy it would be if after all this time and effort we throw it all away at the last, at the last second. So now let's move on to look at other heroes in the past who've managed to maintain their faith to the end. And none of my commentaries actually referred to Bonnie Tyler, and I think that was a mistake. <laughs> they might not be strong, these heroes, fast or fresh from the fight, but they are sure, <laughs> and their endurance is larger than life. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they'd gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. 
But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured a seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith... The people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lion, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What a passage, eh? So I'm just going to take the first 10 minutes to unpack the first two verses, and then we'll move on. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. This is one of those times when I'm just going to walk past some amazing scenery, and you'll just have to go home and enjoy it at your leisure. First two verses, this time from, again, J.B. Phillips' paraphrase, because I think it brings some, some fresh light into this. Now, faith means that we have full confidence in the things we hope for. It means being certain of the things we cannot see. It was this faith that won their reputation for the saints of old. And it's only by faith that our minds accept as fact that the whole universe was formed by God's command, that the world which we can see has come into being through what is invisible. Now, we could, of course, just take those two verses and preach on them, but... As you've seen, we've got a long way to go. So all I'm going to say is this is amazing. And I think it's helpful to note that the author of Hebrews didn't pick people who are amazing and without fault. 
I think they deliberately chose people who'd messed up, some of them hugely, and yet, despite that, they persevered to the end. Um, and also, as we've just seen, although they had faith, they didn't fully inherit the promises because it wasn't fulfilled until Christ came. So we're going to skip quite a few names and jump to Abraham. And the first thing to note is he had faith to move somewhere new. He and his wife were uprooted in response to the word of God and lived in tents. That's a reference to his dwelling, by the way, not his mindset. And had the faith to buy a cave. Thank you, Toby. That's worth a pint at least. To bury Sarah in. So he looked to the future even while he was dwelling in temporary accommodation. Then looking at Sarah, I quite like this reference. She was hardly the model of faith, was she? An angel spoke and she went, ah, you're right. But after her initial shock and surprise, she then thought. She then dwelt on it. She then believed. I find that quite helpful. She obviously meditated on the challenge. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Personally, I've lost count of the number of times God's spoken and I've either dismissed it or ignored it. Fortunately, God's blessed me with a wonderful wife who doesn't let me ignore words of God. Usually she hears them first and then she prods me for months until I say, oh, okay, maybe God is speaking. So as an aside here, I've just been speaking about listening to God. I think it's also helpful to say that sometimes you'll be given a word, either through the Bible or through somebody else, and it is also helpful to weigh it up. If you're not sure, that's absolutely fine to go away, work with the Holy Spirit, and understand if it's a word for you for now, or whether it's a word for somebody else, or maybe it's a word for later. Praying, I do believe, help me in my unbelief, is absolutely godly. Uh, to continue this brief aside, it also reminded me of the parable of the two sons in Matthew 21. The one who's commended for doing the will of the Father isn't the one who says, oh yeah, I'll go, no problem, I'll work in the vineyard, and then dives off early. It's the guy who initially says, no way, he's very rude to his father, but then he thinks, and then he goes to work in the vineyard. The one who's commended is the one who finishes, not the one who starts well. Looking back at the passage, Abraham offered up Isaac, his heir, the son of promise. <laughs> oh, good heavens. Apologies. Obviously, it's those baked beans I had. <laughs> Dreadful. Did Abraham know exactly what God had in mind? Well, certainly in Genesis 22, Abraham told his servants that both he and the boy would return. And similarly, when Isaac asked where the lamb was, um, Abraham told him that God would provide. We don't actually know if Abraham had received a word from God or if he was just acting in faithfulness because he knew God's character. Either way, it's a great example of faith, of believing something that God said and acting. And then we turn to Isaac, another flawed hero. His family life was even more dysfunctional than the Simpsons. He had two wives, which is bad enough. Those two wives hated each other, and then he had two sons by the two wives who also hated each other and tried to kill each other later. Great hero. Then Jacob, he was a trickster, a schemer, a con man. And then you look at Joseph, a young man who was so arrogant, his very brothers tried to kill him. None of these guys seemed to be particularly good, but all of them um, were sure of the future because God had spoken. In the case of Joseph, he had such a strong belief in what God had said that he asked his descendants to carry his bones out in the Exodus. That happened over 200 years later. This wasn't a guy who was just thinking about 
tomorrow and the day after. But he was aware of God's future word. And in all three of these cases, they might have messed up earlier in their lives, but they managed to finish well. Uh, this struck a chord with me because uh, my dad passed away uh, about 18 months ago. And one of the things God blessed him with was um, a doctor who said, you've got about this much time left. And in that time, he was able to spend time with every single one of the family, speak words of promise, speak words of comfort, you know, resolve things that needed resolving. And it was a really good example to me. Um, and I think it's actually a, a good thing to remind ourselves of, that actually we should aim to finish well, not just to start well. By way of contrast, how many of you uh, remember Zinedine Zidane? Zinzan, as he was known. Great footballer, amazing hero in France. What's he known for now? Well, he was the captain of the team who in the 2006 World Cup lost his rag, headbutted an Italian football player, got sent off, and his team lost the match. Great way to retire. Such a shame. I don't want to be like that. Let's move on. Looking at verses 23 to 29, we now have some examples taken from Moses' life. His life demonstrated how lengthy faith might need to be. Really, it was all about endurance. Forty years of privilege, which he then renounced. Then he identified himself with a bunch of slaves rather than life in a palace. Those slaves said they didn't want him, so he went wandering off to a foreign land and lived in Midian for another 40 years. I find it hard to persevere when God promises something and I don't see it within weeks or months. Moses was stuck in Midian for 40 years without hearing any word of confirmation. That's quite a challenge. So I think a dogged determination to continue to walk with God, even if in the natural you cannot see any signs of hope, is actually quite a good example for us. Moving on a few years. Oh, good grief. I'm going to try moving this. There we go. We see faith in action with the Israelites crossing the Red Sea and then marching around the walls of Jericho. Both are practical outworkings of faith, naturally supernatural. And again, who's called out in this long list of heroes in Jericho? Is it the soldiers? No, it's some foreign prostitute in a pagan city. But her faith was to believe that God was with the people of Israel. And more than that, she offered hospitality to the spies. She hid them um, and she sent them on the way. And I think it's almost a sign of hospitality as faith. Incidentally, she also married Salmon who, despite his fishy name, was quite important. He became the father of Boaz and the great-great-grandparents, the pair of them, of King David. So they were in the ancestral line of Jesus in the natural. This was a foreign prostitute who decided to see and believe the word of God. Pretty amazing. Then we come to the final flourish, a whole sequence of names from the time of judges to the kings. Gideon. He was a nervous warrior who had to be persuaded by an angel to go and fight and defeated Midian with 300 people. Barak, again, was nervous and had to be encouraged, shall we say charitably, by the prophetess Deborah to go and fight. Samson, easily distracted by the ladies, but used by God to deliver Israel. Jephthah made a stupid and thoughtless vow, but also conquered the Ammonites. David, the man after God's own heart, again, made some huge, huge errors as well as his big successes. And then Samuel, the prophet and judge who lived by faith, but unfortunately his sons did not follow him. So in all these cases, faith helped some to lead well. Faith helped some to overcome dreadful situations. 
Faith helped others to be mighty in battle. And then in verses 36 to 38, in case it was all getting too happy, we get some harsh reality. That's as fun, isn't it? Never mind. If it happens again, I'll swap. Um, so we don't know what this refers to. It might have been the Maccabean revolt and the Syrian cruelties that happened earlier on before this was written, or it might have been persecutions that were happening at the time that Hebrews was written. We don't really know. But what we do know is it uh, demonstrates again the importance of persevering, whatever the circumstance. And just as another aside, it's worth noting that persecution is still happening today. Our brothers and sisters around the world are being persecuted, particularly in the Muslim world. I encourage you to pray for them and also to listen to see what God says for you to do. It's an easy thing to join campaigns to pressure our politicians into doing the right thing. It's also an easy thing to pray and uh, join mailing lists and so on. There's quite a few organizations that work in this space. Open Doors, AWM, Frontiers, there's plenty of others. Um, I'd encourage you, if this stirs at all anything in you, to go away and act on it. Um, I don't want to be those who get to heaven, meet Jesus, and he says, hmm, so what did you do for those others around the world? We are a body. Anyway, that's um, rather a longer diversion than I meant to take. Never mind. So to sum up this long list of heroes, all of these very different people looked to the future. They didn't receive what was promised, but they dared to believe that what God had spoken will come to pass even when the current situation did not make it look possible. They believed God's promise, not their current limited vision. I found a quote from Oswald Chambers uh, from his book, Run Today's Race, and I thought it was quite helpful. Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. So let's start coming into land by looking at the first two verses in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So having been reminded of the examples of all these heroes of the faith, we're encouraged to persevere like them. In order to have this kind of faith, we need to throw off sin and focus on what's important. We need to throw off anything that would slow us down like a racer would. Clement of Alexandria summed it up all rather succinctly in the second century. He said, faith is a voluntary anticipation. Well, being honest, he probably didn't say that in English, but hey, I'm not a linguist. So what does that mean? It's a very pithy statement, but what does it actually mean? Well, I think it means this. We exercise our will now because we look to the future. Our present reality should be shaped by our future certainty. For those that feel discouraged, and hear a word like this, and you're always the type who goes, oh, I failed again. And you wonder what the point is, because you feel that you keep failing God. God's word for you today is don't give up. Keep pressing on. He does not disqualify you. 
You've already done it. You've already stood firm in the past in the face of trials and persecution. All you need to do is keep on standing firm. If you've sinned, then repent, confess, and move on. Don't wallow. If you're tempted, run to God. Ask others for help. So I think the exhortation here in Hebrews is not that of a screaming sergeant major berating you and frothing at the mouth. This is more like the exhortation of a a senior team member who you respect, our brother Jesus. Or perhaps it's the words of life and belief of a perfect heavenly father telling his child, get up, try again. You are getting better at it. You can do it. Now let's move on to those who, like me, perhaps don't hear a word like this and immediately feel discouraged. You're more on the other end of the spectrum. You listen to this and think, "Hmm, I'm doing quite well. (laughs) Beware lest you fall. Keep a watch on yourself. And more importantly, as we touched on earlier, make sure you stay in community, particularly for those students who are close to leaving. I really encourage you to make every effort to stay in community. We're not meant to be lone warriors. There's a reason why that's so evocative as an image in films, because the lone warrior is usually the one who's the dead warrior at the end of it. We're not meant to stand on our own. We're meant to support each other. I'm glad to be part of a church community where I can say how I really think. How I really think, how I feel, sorry. I was just about to be slapped by Carol's linguistic stick there. (laughs) If I'm feeling rubbish, I can say so. I don't have to wear a Sunday face and say the right things. Vulnerability and honesty are not signs of weakness. And to the men in particular in the congregation, I say this. Real men share their struggles, ask for help, and receive prayer. Let's all be honest with each other. Now, someone who I haven't mentioned yet, and is quite important, so 25 minutes in, I probably should get to him, is Jesus. He's our pioneer. He demonstrated how to run the race. F.F. Bruce said about this portion of passage, it was sheer faith in God, unsupported by any visible evidence that carried him through the taunting, scourging, crucifixion, and the more bitter agony of rejection, desertion, and dereliction. If this is true, then running the race is the most important thing we can do. We should put more effort into this than anything else. Remember, we're building with silver and gold. Let's not waste time messing around with straw and hay. Let's not throw it all away. So that's me done. I'd encourage you, if any of that's spoken to you, come forward for prayer. Or if none of it spoke to you and you're bored out of your mind, but you just want more of God, come forward for prayer. Um, Could I ask the band to come up now? And we'll move straight into ministry.